All right. Well, I'm really glad to be able to speak to you this morning. My wife said to me that when I did the announcement, she texted me and she said, when you did the announcement, she actually got behind the PowerPoint. Because if I go over there, I'm behind the PowerPoint for the people watching. And I said, yeah, I'm out of practice. It's been so long. Uh, some of you haven't been in church, so I haven't seen you since last year. That's kind of weird, right? Uh, but it's so good to have you here, and we're so thankful to be able to be together. Um, I want to talk to you today um, about uh, keystones of Christian faith. We've been talking about several of those, and um, one of them that we talked about was uh, the aspect of mercy. Do you remember that? And how, we talked about how without mercy, there is no Christian faith. It's a keystone to Christian faith. And another one we talked about was just the concept of humility, and that humility is part of the kingdom. When you read the, the Sermon on the Mount, for example, you get into Beatitudes, it's just interlaced with a sense of the pride of man just does not please God. It's humility that does. And then last week I wasn't here because I was quarantining, having been out of the country, and uh, it was uh, Bernie who filled in, and Bernie said, so what are you preaching on these days? I said, keystones of Christian faith. He said, did you do forgiveness? I said, it wasn't even on my list. He said, I'll do forgiveness. And so he spoke to you last week, and he sat in my chair. Someone said, it was so weird to see Bernie in that chair. And I, I thought, yeah, because you're used to seeing me in that chair. But that wasn't what they meant. Bernie never sits still. Bernie, I guess he's all over the place, right? So sitting in a chair seemed kind of odd, but he did a great job on that. Today, I, I want to talk to you about patience, because patience is yet another keystone of our Christian faith. And I want to demonstrate that to you today. There's a Bible app event. If you have the Bible app, you version on your phone, you can click the menu, go to the event, and all those scriptures will be there. Most of them will be on the PowerPoint as well. Um, I would uh, encourage you to follow along as you're able to do so. I'll also give you them ahead of time. Patience. <laughs> the white-tailed deer came to the back door and he would feed them right out of his hand. That's a line from a funeral service that I did last year. A funeral for a stranger, a funeral for a man named Bill. I didn't know him, but his family sat down and told me about him. And they told me what kind of guy he was. And for his era and his background, his stories were pretty typical. He was a John Wayne kind of guy. And he enjoyed hunting and he enjoyed fishing and he enjoyed the Steelers. Uh, but the thing that stood out to me that they told me about Bill was about the white-tailed deer that came into his yard. He fed them. He didn't feed them with a food plot. He didn't feed them with some kind of grain dispenser there. He fed them right out of his hand. And I thought to myself, that's pretty neat. <laughs> in fact, I have deer in my yard every night. I have deer in my yard right here in Kerwinsville in broad daylight sometimes. They have completely soured Laurel and me both on gardening. We don't even try anymore. They do what deer, what deer do. They try to do that to Laurel's flowers as well. So I yell at them. I'll open the sliding glass doors in the kitchen and I'll yell and they'll look at me. And I've taken and I've thrown sneakers at them before. You know, boom, trying to get them. They're, they're running when I do that usually. One of the funnest things I've ever done is I saw them coming, so I laid in wait for them. And I scared the living daylights out of them. I scared the deer so bad, they fell down in the grass and got back up to run away. It was hilarious. That was a good time. But I never really thought about making them into pets. I mean, how cool would that be to just go out on your back porch and just walk up to the edge and hold your hand out and feed a deer right out of your hand? 
Maybe I should start doing that. Now, some of you are like, the Pennsylvania Game Commission doesn't want you to. They're not watching. They're not watching. That isn't what would stop me. Here's what would stop me. I'm missing an essential element to doing something like that. And it's called patience. Because it would take a lot of patience to wait for those deer, to help them to come in, to get them to trust you, and to get them to eat. And I just do not have it. I have a ton of flaws, and I'm more than willing to talk to you about them. But years ago, maybe eight to ten years ago, I came to terms with the reality that maybe my greatest flaw is that of impatience. I am not a patient man. And it hinders me in a lot of really practical areas. For example, hunting. I get into the deer stand. It's been 20 minutes. I haven't seen a deer. I'm going to go home and watch (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Patience. It hinders me in taking care of myself. I've been on that treadmill now for three days, and I haven't lost a pound. Patience. It hinders me in my relationships, and I'm not going to tell you about that, but it does. Impatience is a problem. And so I have become, in the past decade or so, very intentional about trying to figure out how can I become more patient. And I am by no means an expert in being patient, but I believe I have a pretty good grasp on understanding how God infuses it into our lives because I've done a lot of research. I've done a lot of research in how people say the human attempts of gaining patience in our lives. And and one of the things they do, you know, the industry standard is count to 10. Seven, eight, nine, 10. Now I'm going to, you know, that doesn't work for me, the counting to 10 thing. In fact, I kind of feel like, I feel like counting to 10 is nothing more than a way to give the guy a head start. (laughs) That's what that is, right? Or another suggestion is just make yourself wait. Yeah, that helps. Making myself wait doesn't make me patient. It makes me grouchy. Another suggestion, and, and I read this one just recently, lower your heart rate by taking five deep breaths. You are not patient enough to listen for five breaths, are you? Right? Yeah. That doesn't help me. It just makes me feel kind of dizzy. Now, frankly, I think a lot of these human attempts to gaining patience are the equivalent of Frank Costanza's serenity now, serenity now. Patience, patience, pardon me, patience, people say, is a virtue. And I say that it's a keystone to Christian faith. That expression, patience is a virtue, a lot of people feel like it goes back to the Bible. It has been around a while, about 600 years in the English lexicon, as best as we can tell, back to the Middle Ages. It's not in the Bible, but it is a keystone to Christian faith. Were God not patient, you and I would not be here. The Garden of Eden would have been the end of the story. And unless we're patient, well, you kind of get the point. I told you I'm going to have several passages of Scripture. They're on the Bible app and they're on the screen as well for you. The first one is in Romans chapter 5, verse 35. I want to show you uh, in this Scripture and others five ways that God infuses patience into our lives. And I'm listing these kind of from the ones that I like least to the ones that I like best. So the first one, you're going to hear it, you're going to be familiar with it, you're going to be like, yeah, I don't like that one. Sometimes God infuses patience into our lives the hard way. 
Have you heard someone say this line? If you've been in church for a while, you've heard someone say, don't ever pray for patience. And the reason they say that is because of something in the Bible, something from the book of Romans in the King James Version, I'm going to read it just because I like the, the wording there. Starting in verse three of Romans five, it says this, it says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which he has given to us. So the logic is, if tribulation is the way God infuses patience into my life and I pray for patience, then he's gonna give me tribulation. You understand? More modern translations don't say patience, they say perseverance, but if perseverance is nothing else, it is patient. We've, we've all kind of seen this in action. This idea that suffering produces patience. We've seen it here at Kerwinsville Alliance. If you have watched Leroy, who I love, I love that guy. If you have watched him come down this aisle here at Kerwinsville Alliance and sit in his seat here in the front, you have seen patience brought about by tribulation. The patience of needing to help, needing someone to help you get out of bed in the morning. The patience of needing someone to help dress you. The patience of needing help getting in and out of the car. And the patience of falling down regularly and getting back up again regularly. And the patience of having someone need to care for you for almost every aspect of practical life. Where does that kind of patience come from? Well, it's often infused in our spirit by troubles we've experienced. And that's not the easy way. It's the hard way. And it sure isn't my favorite way, but it is one of the ways that God brings patience in our life. And actually, it's one of the ways that God redeems suffering. He kind of makes suffering have value that it would not otherwise have. And that is why passages like James 1 verse 2 can say, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces, there's that word again, perseverance, patience. The infusion of patience can be difficult, but according to James, it's worth it. Patience is a keystone of Christian faith. Let's talk about another way God infuses patience in us, and it's really the slow way. Job says in Job chapter 12, verse 12, he says, is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? To Job, I would say, sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't, right? But it is easier to be patient when you have the understanding that can come with maturity. How ironic is that, though, really? Think about the irony of that. One of the ways that God gives you patience is by making you wait for patience. If you're patient, then you'll receive patience. But thankfully, that is not the only way that God infuses patience into our life. You may have noticed that God infuses patience into our life in a very intentional way where he teaches us not to react to every incident that comes into our life, but to respond to those things that come into our life. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29 says, whoever is patient has great understanding, but the one who is quick-tempered displays foolishness, displays folly. Quick-tempered? Reactive? Impulsive? Impatient. When I think of something that is 
reactive. When I think of reacting to something, I, I kind of think of it maybe in medical terms, for example. You could say that when he received the shot, he had a reaction. It's something that just happened. It wasn't like he got the shock and he said, hey, I think, or the shot rather, and said, hey, I think I'll have a reaction. There was no stopping it. It was like mixing fire and gasoline. You can't mix fire and gasoline and they're going to say, yeah, what do you think? Should we explode today? Should we burn? I don't know. It's a reaction. Nothing is going to stop it there. Nothing is going to avoid it. I don't want that to characterize my personal life. I don't want that to characterize my spiritual life. I don't want it to characterize me. When I think of responding instead of reacting, I think of that as being more thoughtful and more intentional. For example, when he started to raise his voice, she responded by walking out of the office. You see the difference there. I think of reactions as spontaneous, not given any thought, but I think of responses as being processed and intentional, carefully considered. Which one's better? (laughs) You know, the well-reasoned response. Indeed, the one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Kings 19. We're going to read a couple of three verses there in a few moments. No one really wants to learn patience the hard way, by suffering. And no one really can get their brain around getting patience the timely way, the slow way, by maturing. And it's not really easy to get patience the responsible way by responding instead of reacting. But those are not the only tools that God uses. God infuses patience into our life the gentle way, by his spirit. You know that word spirit? It means air. It's pneuma. Like if you've ever used a tool that was a pneumatic tool that's air-powered, that pneumatic, pneuma, comes from the Greek word for spirit. It's a breeze. It's the wind. It's the breath. It's air. When God is displaying himself to Elijah, who, by the way, is dealing with a significant amount of impatience in his own life, God gives Elijah a bit of a surprise. I mean, if you're in 1 Kings 19, in verse 11, it says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountains in the presence of the Lord, for the presence of the Lord is about to pass. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After, after there, the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Now that text is explicit that God was not in those violent manifestations shown to Elijah. But it is implicit that God is in the gentle whisper. Spirit, it means breeze, air, breath, wind. And the Holy Spirit naturally infuses patience into us as he breathes it into our being. Because patience is part of his fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And it comes to you, patience comes to you by the Spirit's 
presence in your life. And when you walk with the Spirit, you begin to produce fruit, His fruit. So when I was a kid, um, I was in fourth grade. So how old are you in fourth grade? I was probably about 19. I was in fourth grade, and we were traveling uh, across the country. We stopped in Kentucky at my Uncle Wilbur's house, went over to see my cousins, and they were having a picnic, and the next-door neighbors had beagle puppies. Have you seen beagle puppies? I don't know, man. There's, except for grandchildren, I don't know anything cuter than a beagle puppy. And I wanted one real bad, and my dad and mom said, sure, you can have a beagle puppy. Because we got her in Kentucky, we called her Tuck. That was her name. Uh, sorry, Tuck, same name as you. You're not from Kentucky, but anyway. I think you'll like the story, though, buddy. I don't care how good your rabbit dog was, Tuck was better. Tuck was the premier rabbit dog. I never went out with Tuck that I did not come back with game. Always. And that's a pretty strong statement. Not only that, when you came back, he cleaned the game, she cleaned the game rather, she cooked the game, and she cleaned your gun and she massaged your feet. Now, she didn't do all that, but she was the premier rabbit dog. She was so good that all the people in the neighborhood there in Jefferson County they knew that is a great rabbit dog. And people would try to buy it from us, you know? I'm a fourth grade kid. Hey, I'll give you 50 bucks for that dog, which was a lot of money back then. Nope, we're not selling that dog for a million bucks. And I can remember telling a guy that one time. How crazy was I, right? He didn't have a million, so it was no problem. So the guys who wanted to buy her and couldn't, they got this idea in their head. They said, can we go hunting with you? Sure, why don't you come on Saturday? See you at nine. Can we bring our dogs? Yeah, bring them. Why'd they want to do that? Because they were hoping that their dog would be around our dog and that their dog would catch whatever it was that Tuck had in her blood. If I can get my dog to hang around with your dog, then maybe my dog will begin to produce the same fruit that your dog produces. I don't know if that worked or not. But here's what I know. That when you hang around with the Holy Spirit of God, you begin to produce what he produces. You begin to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. When you hang around Him, the Holy Spirit of God, when you hang around His people, whether you're gathered like this in a sanctuary or whether you're online connecting that way or whether you're in a Zoom meeting or you're in a Facebook group watching a video and commenting or however you're managing to connect with your brothers and sisters in Christ, The Holy Spirit is present. He is not limited by location. He's present and he is teaching you. He is giving you. You are receiving and you can begin to produce his fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And you begin to live by the Spirit. The scripture says in this same passage, just a few verses before, walk by the Spirit so you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. If you struggle with patience, and you know the importance of patience in your life, then you would do well to walk close to God. That means just the everyday things. Reading your Bible. Grabbing the YouVersion Bible app and subscribing to a plan. Doing Mission 119 with Dr. Soper. It means gathering together with people. It means listening to Christian podcasts, Christian radio. Reading good Christian literature. Or tuning into sermons like this one. Or or being part of a small group, either virtually or in person. Walking by the Spirit means walking close to God and His people. It is the fifth way that God infuses patience into your life. Actually, it's the fourth. One, two, three, four. Yeah, 
Turn to 2 Peter 3. I'll give you the fifth one right now, okay? 2 Peter 3. In my opinion, the most beautiful way that God infuses patience into your life is by his example, the exemplary way. He models patience to us. And that is why patience is a keystone of Christian faith. If God didn't show us patience, then the story would have been open over in Eden. We'd have been long gone as a species. And if patience isn't something that I seem to be concerned about in my own life, then probably I don't understand the patience of God, and I really need to give some attention to the gospel of Christ to understand that. In 2 Peter uh, chapter 3, it's evident that Peter is, is talking to people who are concerned, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? And, and there's a lot of that in our culture today, right? I mean, someone said to me just the other day, if Jesus doesn't come back real quick, man, he's got to come back quick because look at the signs of the time. Look at the signs of the Look at the economy. Look at the government. Look at the world situation. Look at the pandemic. Jesus has got to come back any moment. If you think you feel that way, put yourself in the first century when the ruler of your kingdom was killing your kind, Christians. And so those people that Peter was writing to were saying, where is he? Where is this coming that was promised? Why isn't he here? And Peter gives them the answer in 2 Peter chapter 3. In verse 9, he says this. He says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Indeed, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. How does God infuse patience in you? By showing you what it looks like. Do you think he likes watching those Christians die in the first century? Do you think he likes watching the suffering that is happening in our own world and has happened in every generation before us any better than you and I do? Why in the world hasn't he ended it all? One of the key reasons is, patience. A patience that is absolutely remarkable and a patience that seems to be something he desires that you and I would exhibit as well. He wants us to pick up what he's putting down and he shows us how. So these are the methods of infusing patience and they work best. They work best when we are open to becoming patient. When our hearts are open to saying, okay, I'll give patience a try. I'll try to be intentionally more patient. Show me how, God. And he will. He'll use these five, these five ways in your own life. And so look for what he is teaching you in your suffering. Let me just say this. That's saying like, never pray for suffering because that comes through suffer. I'm sorry, back up, say it again. That saying you hear people say, never pray for patience because patience comes through suffering. Let me just say this up front. I think you probably know this, but you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. The question isn't whether you suffer. The question is, what do you get from suffering? And how can suffering be redeemed? Look for what God is teaching you in your suffering. But I learned this from my mother who knew suffering. I'm not saying my mom had a terrible life. She did not. I'm simply saying she knew how to handle the suffering that life handed her. My mom was born in 1920 in the slums of Scotland. She was dirt poor. She knew suffering. (laughs) Her family moved to the slums of Buffalo, New York in 1929. 
She was nine years old. Anyone else know what was happening in 1929? That was the start of the Great Depression. She moved from Scotland to America in 1929 into the slums at the start of the Great Depression. Mary Frew, I'd like to welcome you to the United States of America. How do you like it? She would tell you it was a step up, a huge step up. She knew suffering. And she knew heartache, heartache that would be inappropriate for me to share in this kind of setting. But just take my word for it. Heartache about friends, heartache about families, heartache about life. She knew suffering. Her suffering wasn't special because she had more of it than other people. Her suffering was special because of the way she responded to it. Over and over again, I heard her say, from my, from my toddler years through my adult years, when she would encounter suffering, she would say this sentence, I am looking for what God might want to teach me as I go through this suffering. Now, I have heard people say that without having a heart that is open to patience. I have heard people say that with a different mentality. I just wish that God would tell me what he wants to learn so that he can get what he wants me to learn so he can get off my back. They might not say those very words. That is the way their heart is feeling. And that is not a heart that is open to learning patience. That's not even an accurate view of who God is. God allows us to experience suffering because he knows it will teach us things that we may not otherwise learn. Open your heart to patience. Look at what God might be teaching you. And be patient with yourself as you're learning the lesson. When you're put in a position of needing to be patient, take that opportunity to think of the opportunity to gain wisdom here and grow and mature and practice patience. Because being patient is like playing the guitar. If you never pick up your guitar, you won't be a very good player. And if you never exercise patience, You won't be very good at it. As you mature in Christ, patience is infused into your life. Be intentional about how you respond to your triggers. So many of our regrets are regrets about things we said or things that we did without thinking about it in advance. And patience is what helps us overcome that. So talk to God about your own tendency to overreact sometimes. Ask him to make you self-aware. Ask him to open your eyes to the things that trigger you and then don't react. Respond. Because you are response-able. You are response-able. You can choose to respond instead of reacting. Viktor Frankl is the one who was in a Nazi death camp. They'd taken away all his freedoms, taken away his clothing, taken away his hair, tattooed him. All my freedoms are gone, he said, until one moment when he realized what he later called the last of human freedoms. And he said, the last freedom that they can never take away from me is my freedom to choose how I will respond to what they do to me. Wow. If Frankel, who made no profession of faith in Christ, if Frankel 
knows that he is response-able and he doesn't have to react like an animal. You and I are response-able as well. Be intentional. Open your heart to patience as you walk closely to God. Practice what Brother Lawrence called the presence of God. Practice the presence of God. So you recognize he is there when you're home. He is there when you're at work. He is there when you're alone. He is there when you're with friends. He's there in the car with you. He's there when you're texting, when you're online. He's there all the time. And look for him, ask him to speak to you and infuse patience into your life. Allow the breeze of the Spirit to transform you. Open your heart to patience by imitating Christ's example. Read through one of the Gospels. Read through all of them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You can see Jesus reacting, responding rather. You can see Jesus responding to two different groups of people. The legalistic religious Pharisees. And he kind of doesn't have a lot of patience with them, it seems. But then the tender people who are hungry or who need forgiveness or who need healing. And you see him acting with patience all the time. And the fact of the matter is, if we could back up and look at it maybe from more of a divine perspective, he's even patient with the religious leaders. We just don't see it as clearly. Because he is patient. It is his spirit who gives us the fruit of the spirit, among which is patience. You know, there are a lot of things can try my patience. Can you see that picture there? You see the, uh, the traffic there? Man, traffic can really, really mess with my patience. Fonts changing size just because they're on a different computer. That can really try my patience. That picture right there, I don't know if you can see it, but right above the eye in the word patience, there's a guy walking across the road there in the rain. Do you see him? I want to tell you, if I was in that traffic, I'd get him on purpose, right? (laughs) Not really. Not really. But, yeah, it's hard to be patient in traffic. It's hard to be patient in a doctor's office. It's hard to be patient when people don't know what they're doing. It's hard to be patient when you're waiting for someone to return a text. What is it that tries your patience? God loves you, you know. He wants you to overcome that. He wants to, he wants to infuse patience into your being. I want to pray that, that you would be receptive to that as we conclude our time this morning. If you're comfortable doing so, let's stand together and we'll pray together. You know what? I'm going to ask Matt McCracken to pray. Matt, go find a microphone. I think Eric Rolls has it. He's up front here. So here's why I'm asking Matt to pray. He's got five kids. (laughs) I think patience is probably something he has developed a lot of and he wants to develop more of. So Matt, would you just pray for us a brief prayer, just asking God to infuse his patience into us as individuals and even as a body. Thank you, Matt. Father, we thank you. Sometimes we thank you in retrospect that events have happened whether it be suffering, whether it be situations we're in, whether it be the breath of your spirit that give us patience. We ask that we would use these situations well, because I believe you can put us in these situations and we won't learn the character like patience. You would have us learn if we're not aware and if we're not willing to obey you and do what you ask in those situations. So help us to achieve patience and gain more of it. You can't reach a perfect state of it. And help us whenever we fail to realize we can always move forward 
It's not all or nothing. It's not either I'm a patient person or I'm impatient. It's by God's grace, I get better at patience. And sometimes I do well, sometimes I do okay, and sometimes I say a lot of things I shouldn't say when I'm mad at someone. So help us all to grow together. Help us to be patient with one another and help us to recognize when we may have missed opportunities to be patient and help us to celebrate the times that we are patient because that reflects your spirit and the fruit you're growing within us, which one day will be fulfilled when we're with you. Thank you. Amen.